The research is very clear. Rewards, like punishments, can only get temporary compliance, and in both cases, they retard moral and social and intellectual development. It's the Happy Families podcast, the podcast for the time-poor parent who just wants answers now. Hello, I'm Dr. Justin Coulson here with my wife and co-host. I got in trouble for saying that Kylie was my co-host. She said, no, 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 I'm wife and co-host, so we're going to get this right. Here with my wife and co-host, Mrs. Happy Families, Kylie, thank you for being here. Thank you. This is day four of our podcast. Um, How are you finding it? I'm loving it. It's a bit stressful, right? It is a bit stressful. Be honest. It's pushing me out of my comfort zones, <laughs> but I am absolutely loving the challenge. I've got to tell you, all we talk about now is the podcast. <laughs> That's all we talk about. And we've got to listen to every episode five times so that we can deconstruct it. Uh, and, and I think we're actually learning some really cool stuff about each other and about how we can work together. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, we're the parents of six kids. I've written six books about raising happy families. And today on the podcast, something pretty big. I'm pretty excited about our interview today. We're going to talk to someone who's been on Oprah. Do you know how big a deal that is? I haven't been on Oprah, so I don't know. Oh, it's a big deal. (laughs) I'd love to be on Oprah. That would be epic. I would love you to be on (laughs) Oprah too. That means I might actually get to meet her. Time magazine has described him as being perhaps the country's most outspoken critic on education's fixation with grades and test scores. And Justin, he probably is one of the biggest influences on you of any author I know. Yeah. Uh, You know, if I was to put a list together of people that I would love to interview for this podcast, this guy would be right at the very top of the list and we've got him. So- I'm, Pretty I'm, exciting. I'm ecstatic. Alfie Cohn is the name of the person we're speaking to in just a sec. He's a very, very well-known author and uh, writer around parenting and education, those kinds of areas. In 1993, Alfie wrote a book that was called Punished by Rewards. And that was pretty much the central reason that I left my radio career and went back to school to study psychology. Alfie is the reason that I am in many ways, who I am today. His influence has been far-reaching and he's affected not just me but our family and obviously thousands and thousands and tens of thousands, if not millions of parents around the globe. So, so excited to be able to talk to Alfie today. You know, I actually remember when you brought that book home and you wanted me to read it. It's not a book for the faint-hearted. It was a really, really intense book. But I remember how excited you were about all of the concepts you were learning and specifically actually having an opportunity to talk to Alfie on the phone for the first time. I remember that. Yeah, not only did I talk to him, but then a few years later he was in Australia and I got to hang out with him. In fact, I drove him from the central coast of New South Wales down to Sydney because he needed transport. And I was the one that contacted the organisers and said, what do you need? How can I help? And they said, oh, we really need someone to take him for a drive. I said, I can do that. So that was pretty epic. Uh, And Alfie, we've got you here right now. Alfie, can I start? You bet. I'd love to ask you a question. When we think about punishment and discipline together, why is punishment such a lousy way to discipline our kids? Because punishment teaches power. It undermines the possibility of moral growth in children. If I say to kids, do this or here's how I'm going to make you suffer, which is what punishment is. And by the way, you can call it consequences. It's still the same thing. It says to kids, do this or here's what I'm going to do to you. Then kids are, first of all, thinking only about themselves. How do I avoid the punishment? Never about the impact of their actions on others. All use of consequences, punishment, focuses kids 
narrowly on self-interest. And secondly, what they have modeled for them is that someone who has more power than they do can coerce them into doing whatever he or she wants. And that's the main lesson that kids learn. Sometimes they take it out on others that very same day when they come across peers who have less power than they do. So punishment is a way of doing things to children. And the only way we help kids become good people is by working with them. To put it slightly differently, the only thing you can ever get from any kind of punishment, from forcible isolation, which is euphemistically called time out to withdrawal of privileges or yelling, spanking, whatever it is, the only thing you can ever get is temporary compliance at an enormous cost. Yeah, that, that reminds me of a, a story that I love to tell. When I was about 15 years old, I was uh, I, I was in the kitchen. My little sister was driving me up the wall and, and I, I said a word that we're not supposed to use in, in my family. You know, we had some very strict rules around the, the kind of language we used and I called my sister a stupid idiot. I said something like, oh, shut up, you stupid idiot. My mum heard and came dashing into the kitchen and said, Justin, we don't speak like that in this house. You need to say sorry to your sister right now. And, and just, so here's a forced apology. So I'm, I'm, I'm obviously being dishonest when I apologize, but I, I looked at my exactly. sister and <laughs> I said to her, fine, Karina, I'm sorry you're a stupid idiot, um, which obviously <laughs> made a lot of sense to my 15-year-old brain, but it infuriated my, my mum, who with the best of intentions said, you go to your room right now and you think about what you just said. And you know, Alfie, I went Has to my- Has any child in history ever thought in a constructive <laughs> way after being forcibly isolated? What you're thinking about in that room is how- how unfair it is that you're there, how you're misunderstood, and how you're going to get back at your sister when your mother isn't looking. Never can you get a response by simply making kids unhappy by taking things away from them or putting them in their rooms or or whatever, and forced apologies, well, that teaches kids to lie. Yeah, and what <laughs> to I was, say things that they don't believe. What I was going to say is that I went to my room, I sat on my bed, and I thought carefully about how I was an impediment to my family's happiness, and I resolved to be a better human. But but I didn't really. I did exactly, yeah. <laughs> I did yeah, exactly right. what you said. I, I, I was furious about my, about my mum and how she didn't understand me. It really ruptured my of relationship course. in that moment, right? And, and boy, oh boy, I couldn't wait to get back at my sister when mum wasn't watching. Right, and the alternative to anticipate maybe where you're going next, since I know we have very limited time, that is offered to many parents is instead of using sticks, use carrots. Instead of controlling them by making them suffer if they don't do what you want, give them a doggy biscuit if they do do what you want. But rewards are just the flip side of punishment. (laughs) So if I threaten to punish a kid, I'm saying, do this or here's what I'm going to do to you. If I reward children or offer to reward them. I'm saying, do this and you'll get that. So in the first case with punishment, kids come to ask the question, what do they want me to do and what happens to me if I don't do it? If you offer a reward for good behavior, which typically means mindlessly obedient, not generous or thoughtful. Um, But then the question kids come to ask is, what do they want me to do and what do I get for doing it? And so the research is very clear that rewards like punishments can only get temporary compliance. And in both cases, they retard moral and social and intellectual development because we have 
hundreds of studies showing that the more you reward people for doing something, the more they tend to lose interest in whatever they had to do to get the reward. So on the one hand, if you want to destroy children's interest in reading, for example, you would offer a prize for reading a book. Because now you've taught them that reading is something you would never want to do, and it becomes devalued. They say, well, you know, if this was so much fun, they wouldn't have to bribe me to do it. But the other reason that it devalues uh, that, that kids lose interest in whatever they're rewarded for doing, is because it's, it's control. If I punish a kid for doing something, it's obvious I'm controlling him. But what a lot of parents don't realize is if they reward kids, and that includes verbal rewards like, good job, I really like the way you dot, dot, dot. This is just a verbal doggy biscuit. And all rewards are just sugar-coated control, and kids don't like being controlled. So we have research that shows that almost anything that kids are rewarded for doing becomes less appealing to them. They have less commitment to it over the long haul. Uh, several studies have shown, a couple of just in the last few years, that children who are frequently rewarded or praised by their parents are less generous and helpful than other kids. And the effect is most pronounced if they're rewarded or praised for being helpful. So you are undermining with the use of any kind of reward, including praise, or punishment, including timeout. The only alternatives to this are, are not quite so easy to script or to have a one-size-fits-all when you do this. When your kid does this, you should do that. So it's frustrating because you actually have to think as opposed to being scripted out by a parenting expert. But rewards and punishments are ways, as I say, of doing things to children, forms of control. What helps us to become the best parents we can is to figure out ways of working with them to solve problems. Alfie, what about those parents who would say, but I just can't get my kids to do anything without a reward? You know, those parents who are using reward charts or other ways of coercing their children to uh, do the household chores. Some parents would actually say that their kids are more motivated by using them. Right. And the question is not, how do we motivate kids? The question is, how are kids motivated? For the last few decades, psychologists have helped us understand that there are different kinds of motivation, and the kind matters more than the amount. Specifically, psychologists talk about the difference between intrinsic motivation, which means you do something because you want to do it, because you get a kick out of it. It's satisfying. And extrinsic motivation, which is where you do it to avoid a punishment or to get a reward. And what we know from research as well as experience is that the two tend to be inversely related. So the child who seems, quote, motivated to do it in order to get the gold star, the ice cream cone, the good job, whatever, has more extrinsic motivation and as a direct result is now less committed to being a helpful person, less interested in whether his actions around the house are making other people feel good. So I guess when I see the, when parents say, you know, they work, I always ask, work to do what? What's your goal? You can get mindless obedience in the short run if the reward is juicy enough or the punishment is awful enough. What you can never get is a child who is happy, 
more ethical, more compassionate or caring, more of an independent thinker. All of the things we parents want in the long run for our goal, rewards like star charts and stickers and the like actually get in the way of those more ambitious, meaningful, long-term goals. If I'm not going to use punishments and I'm not going to use rewards, what does Alfie Cohn and the research suggest would be the best way to respond to this child who is just driving me up the wall? Talk less, ask more. There's no one-size-fits-all solution, as I indicated before. Everything will depend on what's going on in this child's environment and in this child's head. Five different kids who are seen as difficult or troubling or making us go crazy and pushing our buttons may be doing it for five completely different reasons. And each of those reasons calls for a different course of action. I mean, this is the thing when I wrote my book, uh, unconditional parenting, which is get specifically to looking at parenting punished by rewards, also looks at schools and workplaces as well as families. But I, I had to in the working with section, the what do we do instead, you know, break the bad news that I'm not going to give you a magic formula. If a child is acting this way, rolling the eyes, because frankly, we're saying stuff that deserves an eye rolling, then the problem is not the kid. The problem is what with what we have been doing that we need to rethink and we need to come to the child and say, I'm really frustrated sometimes by your attitude here and I want to hear where it's coming from. And then you have to listen for the answer without getting defensive or huffy. And then when there's a particular problem, like we want to get the, the house clean, I don't know about using a different technique to get the kid's room clean. I mean, it's the kid's room, isn't it? Why would the kid have to keep it up to our standards? In other words, the premise of the question here ought to be called into question. Don't, don't ask, how do I get the kid to do X if I can't use punishments and rewards? Begin by asking whether X really needs to be done. But if we're convinced it does, like everybody should pitch in with stuff around dinner, then I would be asking the child, you know, what's, what's the problem here? What can be done? What do you think you can do in order to help help things go smoothly whenever possible. Kids learn to make good decisions by making decisions, not by following directions. And so we end up getting kids who are happier to participate because they feel trusted and respected as a result of our asking about their experience and responding appropriately rather than mindlessly and unilaterally trying to impose our demands and agenda on them. It sounds like uh, so something that I share with parents is what I call the three E's of effective discipline. And when I say discipline, I mean uh, discipline is teaching and guiding and instructing. It's helping our children to internalize those things that, that matter most. So I talk about how we need to explore their world, explore why they're struggling with this, uh, this question that we've asked, which helps us to understand whether it was a good question or, or re- a good behavioral request in the first place. And then we explain what our rationale is so that they can at least see what our perspective is. And then we empower them to work together with us to find a solution that's mutually agreeable. It sounds to me like that's the kind of process that you're describing. Uh, yes, but with 
not to throw away, but to really linger on the problem on, mm. the, on that one aspect that a lot of times when kids don't do what we've told them, the problem is with what we've told them. And so we have to begin by being willing to to question the premise, yeah. uh, whether it's what we're asking of them is reasonable, whether it's developmentally appropriate and so on. And then to keep checking back with them. If Let them propose um, a solution and then let's let's talk about it later to see how it's going yeah it sounds like effective exploration is the is is the central pillar there alfie this has just been such an awesome conversation uh thank you so much for your time it's been an absolute pleasure speaking about the problems of punishment and rewards being used as a way to get our kids to do what we want them to do i reckon we need to get alfie back again justin that was just such a worthwhile conversation do you reckon we could have you back alfie Sure, be happy to do it. Yeah, maybe we can talk about one of your other books, Unconditional Parenting. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I want to just, uh, Kylie, I'm going to get you to share a review rather than me because I always share these reviews, but uh, we've had another five-star review come in in the last day or so. We sure have. Mookie Watt said, my friend recommended this podcast channel and I'm so glad I gave it a go. It was great content and very relatable. My daughter is still quite young, but I think it's great as a parent to get in a good mindset when it comes to parenting and start working on those techniques that have been discussed. Five stars. Love that. Thank you so much for the five-star reviews. It's your reviews that help people to find the podcast. It's the five-star reviews that bump it up along the the Apple Let's Take Notice of this podcast uh, sort of ratings thing. So please jump onto either Apple or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a rating and a review. It, it just makes so much of a difference. Other than that, if you'd like more info about how we can make your family happier, please jump onto our website, happyfamilies.com.au. You can find us on Instagram and on Facebook, Dr. Justin Coulson's Happy Families. Oh, by the way, a quick note before we run. Tonight, if you're a Happy Families member, we've got the Q&A. Your questions answered live by me via Zoom. Please join us for that. And on Monday, we've got Teens, Tweens and Screens, a webinar that is looking to be very, very popular. Hope to see you there.